0: Today's edition of the podcast is brought to you by Coach Me Plus. Coach Me Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that I've been lucky enough to be using for a little over a year now. Only rivaled by the impeccable customer service that Kevin and his staff provides, Coach Me Plus' ability to constantly be amoeba-like in their ability to mold and, and matriculate what you're trying to get across and bring together is, is absolutely fantastic. Their constant pursuit of better ways and better methods and, and innovations and progress to their own product is absolutely fantastic. Go over to CoachMePlus.com. Check out what they got, guys. It's, uh, it's something that I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Guys, today I am excited to sit down and talk with the Irish Institute of Sports lead strength and conditioning coach, Dr. Eamon Flanagan. And guys, we're going to go through uh, a different way to look at your sprint scores that you get with your athletes. Now, before we get moving, uh, I have to say a thank you to Mladen uh, because this is featured in an article on complimentarytraining.net. There's a link below. Make sure you check it out. Make sure you get in there. Mladen's putting out freaking fantastic content constantly make sure you're checking out complimentary training.net to stay up to date with everything he's putting out. Now back to the talk. So Dr. Flanagan is going to talk about Z scores, looking at how they can impact how you're looking at how your athletes are performing in the 40 yard dash and what that can do to lead to training modifications and identifying what is what with your athletes we also get into looking at it through different scores and different tests so then you can now build a profile based on these z-scores to show how far they're above or below the means it's of the team it's really awesome stuff guys you know i've been lucky enough to sit down in dublin with dr flanagan and and talk a bit and he is really a fantastic human being and and a super practitioner I, i hope you guys enjoy this talk as much as i did Let's get right to it. All right, and here we go. Dr. Flanagan, thank you so much for spending some time with us today.
1: Oh, you're very welcome, Jay. It's good to catch up with you again. Thank you.
0: Yeah, man. So listen, we're talking about a different way to look at the 40. So let's uh, let's first talk about the article, where people can find it, what's in it, and let's start breaking it down and how we can help people.
1: Sure, yeah. So the the article we're talking about, it's uh, it's it's called uh, Sprint Variability Profiling, uh, New Insights, from from speed testing data and the article really is kind of born out of some work I did with a guy called Robin Healy who's a biomechanist in at the University of Limerick over here in uh, in in Ireland um, and really really the whole the whole idea is is Robin's brainchild I just kind of put it into words for uh, for the complementary training website and um, so really it it it, it kind of it, it came out of a little bit of collaborative work we did around a, a field sports t- team that we were helping with some of their testing. Uh, and really, what Robin did was he took our traditional speed testing data and he and he just tried to look at it in a different way. And what he's kind of come up with is a real simple method where you you break your forty down into into your usual you know ten meter or thirty meter or forty meter outcome times, but alongside that, you look at the specific ten meter splits over the course of each athlete's forty meter forty meter dash as well and uh, And really, what he uses he uses a you know, real simple statistical tool, the Z score to show you know where in each section of the race a particular athlete is ahead of the group or behind the group um, so it's a pretty simple simple tool um, z scores are something that, that have been used you know to, to help represent physical testing data for a long time uh, you know mike mcguigan uh for example uh in new zealand he wrote a great article in strength and conditioning journal maybe three four five years ago um showing that how you can do this across any number of different tests um, so it's not a new idea, but I think the way Robin has applied to the speed testing data is a little bit novel.
0: Yes, and now what he's talking about is your Z-score from 10 to 20, 20 to 30, 30 to 40.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so I think, I think that certainly a mistake that I've made as a, as a strength and conditioning coach and uh, up until embarrassingly recently is, you know, I've looked at a 40-meter time you know, let's say I've looked at a 10 meter time and a 40 meter time, and I've made a generalisation that the 10 meter time gives us an insight into a guy's acceleration ability, and the 40 meter time gives us an insight into a guy's late phase acceleration or even top speed ability. Uh, and fundamentally, that's not true, and it's it's definitely a mistake I've made because that 40 meter time it contains the first 10, it contains the first 20, it contains the first 30 meters. So you can have guys who have, uh, you know, who have distinctly average 40 meter times. But they might have very, very poor first 10 meters, and they may actually be exceptional from 30 to 40. But if you only look at the 40 meter time in isolation, it doesn't give you that picture because it gets averaged out. You know, you're, you're really bad 10 and you're really exceptional 30 to 40 phase. Uh, just average each other out. So, you know, in athletics, um, you know, it's, very, it's it's common. It's, 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 it's what everybody does. Is they look at splits. But I don't think... Certainly not in Ireland, maybe it's different in the US, but certainly in Ireland we don't look we tend not to look at our splits in our speed testing data that that often. But once you look at the splits and once you have a way to benchmark athletes against each other, and the Z scores are a way to do that, you get to get a little bit more insight into into your speed testing data. So I mean it's like how look, how fast you go over forty is still very important. The outcome is very important. Um, but I think as S&C coaches, we want to know what you did. That's the outcome. But we also want to know how you did it. That's what the splits can give us. It can let us know, well, actually, did you achieve this exceptional 40-meter time because you're great from 0 to 10 and then you taper off? Or is it because you're average from 0 to 10, but you get quicker and quicker and quicker as the as the rep goes on? Um, and I think the Z-score analysis and the, the splits allow you to see how the athlete did what they did a little bit more clearly. And if you know how they did what they did you can maybe get a little bit more insight into how you can make them better or where their opportunities to get better are.
0: Yeah, and and, and that would be the next thing, would be how do you see this, albeit in its infantile stages, being a way, because we all look at numbers and these tests and all these things, and, you know, I'm pretty sure... Most people listening to this conversation right now, myself included, are sitting here saying, "Well, I've done the same thing forever too. Is looked at tens and forties for the same thing." Mm-hmm. Um, but how now could a coach look at these times, these these z scores, and now start to manipulate training based on each individual part of the timing? <laughs> Um, yeah,
1: so I think I think there's two
0: or maybe even three like practical
1: applications for coaches that that um, can uh, that, that this can help you with right away. The first one I would say was just helping you understand your data better, and also I think very importantly how you describe that data to the coaches or to the players themselves. So I think that's one really important thing which you can do right away. So let's use that example. You know, if we've got a guy who um who is let me think of an example here from from the article we used but let's say we've got a guy who is really poor from 0 to 10 um and his overall 40 meter time is bang on the group average so that's if we were looking at our data in the old way so we've got a poor 10 meter time and an average 40 meter time that's total outcome time we you know in previously we would describe that guy as he's a poor accelerator and he's got average top speed or he's average over 40 but if we look at the, the splits and the Z scores, what we might see with that athlete is that actually he's really poor over 10, but he could be really good from 10 to 20, from 20 to 30, from 30 to 40. Um, but because he's so poor over 10, that doesn't manifest itself in a particularly quick 40 meter time. So once we've got the breakdown, we can describe that athlete to him. to him. We can describe that athlete to the coach a little bit better. We can say he's poor off the mark. Uh, but he's one of our quickest guys. Once he get gets moving, let's say his let's say he makes up the time from twenty to thirty and thirty to forty, and from twenty to thirty. But he's poor from thirty to forty, or average again. Yeah, you know, we can describe that a little bit more clearly. We can say he's poor off the mark, but he's one of our quickest guys once he gets moving. But he just quite, can't quite sustain that higher sp- speed for the last ten meters, or for the as long as we would like. So we can describe performance a little bit better. Um, I think a second way in which it can maybe impact on our on our training, kind of practically, would be uh, you know just to help kind of group guys together a little bit better. So you know, look, the, there's going to be some guys who come out of this profiling process with a very balanced profile, so there's no obvious deficits. But what you will find is you'll find that there's you know a subgroup who are pretty poor over ten but they're okay or they're above average, you know, on the other splits. You'll find some guys who are particularly good over 10, maybe particularly good over the first 20, but they're poor in that 30 to 40 meter zone. So it just means that, you know, when we're looking at planning our training, we can maybe have, you know, a small group who are doing a little bit more accelerative work, a small group that are doing, you know, a little bit more top speed or speed maintenance work um, or end phase acceleration work. And we may have a group that are just doing general speed work as per the normal program, because they've got a pretty balanced profile. And then I think the third way it can help in a practical setting is um, especially if you're working with like re- you're doing testing on really large groups of athletes. And I know that's probably the case in a lot of the the American collegiate system. Um, and that's a place where I think the data can help guide your attention. So for me, you know, I don't see speed development. uh as a particular strength of mine I'm not a particularly good speed development coach you know that's not my my one of my better skills so I need to work hard on that and sometimes I may not see what a really good speed development coach sees live and in the moment
0: mm-hmm.
1: so by, get, by 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 having the splits by having the profiles I've being able to flick through those profiles one by one I can begin to look at a specific athlete so I'm looking at Jay's profile and I'm thinking well, okay, Jay's got a real big deficiency from 20 to 30. Now I can go back and I can look at that tape or I can pay a little bit more attention to him in training the next time I see him. Um, so I think if, you're, if you don't have the, the keenest coaching eye when it comes to speed development like me, or if you're working in a program where you're testing 40 or 50 guys all at the same time, then the data can be a little bit of a crutch to help guide your focus of attention at the next training session or if you want to go back and watch some of the videotape you might have from that from that testing session.
0: Yeah, and I think that the ability to be able to look, take a step back, and group and separate guys, and the, the reason I say that is because we can now group people based on either where they're strongest or where they're weakest, but we can also separate guys in that, let's say, we both run somewhere in the area of like a five-point slow, you and I, So we're going to go out there and we're going to, but your first 10 blows mine out of the water. But my last 10 blows you out of the water. Like now it'd be like, well, we run the same time. Well, yeah, the outcome was the same, but in order for you to get better than me, you need to work on the back end. So these are some things you need to do to do to increase that Um, and vice versa. So now you're able to actually individualize and make it more specifically about that kid and a specific thing that that kid can do to get better at a test that if you're running it, A, you think is important, um, and B, you think is necessary. So I think the whole buy-in factor with that, too, is huge.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that totally. Um, it's just given us that little bit more kind of granularity to our data, allowing us to like you said just focus in on kind of key areas for those athletes and like you said if you can describe what the athlete is doing a little bit more clearly well then maybe that gives you a little bit more opportunity to 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 explain to the athlete why you're doing what you're doing and why their training now has this slightly different focus but I think you touched on on something there which is really important and it's it's a key point that you know Robin uh described to me when when he was explaining this process and explaining this um this analysis system is the outcome. So let's say the 40 meter time that's got to be relevant. So, you know, the, what we're measuring has to be a true KPI for the athlete. So, you know, I used to work in rugby quite a lot. Um, And if we are looking at 40 meter time in, you know, prop forwards, these are guys who never really sprint more than five or 10 meters in a game. You know, they, they tend to be shorter, much heavier guys. who have got to do a lot of the grunt work. Well then this system, doesn't work for them. There's no point measuring them at an outcome measure of 40 meters. Like, go figure, they're going to be really poor from 30 to 40 because it's not relevant for them. So you've got to have a, a relevant performance measure, a relevant outcome measure, and you've also got to have relevant um, reference data. So when you're calculating your Z-scores, your averages need to be relevant to the group that you're working with. So if we take that example, prop forwards, you know, you're shorter, heavier and more workhorse type guys on the rugby pitch well it would make a lot more sense to test them over 20 meters to to look at splits at 0 to 5 5 to 10 10 to 15 15 to 20 and when we look at their scores when we need you need you need average data and average variability to get your z scores so we would want to look at those guys and um, as their own cohort, we want to look at all our historical data for props over the last five or six years. We pool that together and that gives us very relevant, very applicable reference data for those players. But it's just important that we don't try and, you know, pigeonhole every athlete into a 40 meter test if it's not relevant for what they're actually doing on the field of player in their sport.
0: Yes. And. Coming back to that, later in the article, you also discuss the ability of these scores to be utilized outside of just sprint testing.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's again, very quick to say there that that's not a an idea that we came up with. And, and much smarter people than me have been using Z scores to look at to look at uh, a wide variety of testing score data and. Um, They've been doing this, has been done for a long time. But I guess where Z scores are really useful there is that Z scores standardize everything. So we might be looking at counter movement jump uh, in centimeters or inches. We might be looking at drop jump performance in reactive strength index. We might be looking at 10 meter time uh, in seconds. We might be looking at bench press in kilograms or pounds lifted. So all different metrics. But Z-scores normalizes everything to a Z-score, to a representation of where you lie relative to the group, above or below the, the average in the group. So Z-scores are really useful to build a kind of a performance profile or a visual performance profile for an athlete. Um, so, you know, on the same graph, on the same visual, you can have a picture for the athlete that shows them, OK, well, look, you're above the line you're above average in your maximal strength, your, your counter-movement jump and your reactive strength performance. But you know, you're know you only average in, in, in maybe the contact times that you utilize to create that reactive strength performance. And, and maybe you're below average in your 10 meter time and maybe you're further further below average in your, your 40 meter or your, your 30 to 40 meter split or your peak velocity. So again, it, it allows you to begin to look at tech tests in context. Um, and it, may, it allows you to, so, so for example, you know, I've, uh, reactive strength testing and drop jumps or repeat hopping is something I've been really interested in and it's something you know, maybe I've become associated with. And it's very easy, I think, when you have an association like that to put the blinkers on and think that that test is the be all and end all, it's the only thing that matters and you overtrain for that test and you overtrain that physical characteristic. Um, but once you use Z-scores to look at a single test alongside your overall batteries of tests, it allows you to have a little bit of a better overall picture and a little bit of a better context. So I might have exceptional reactive strength abilities, but that doesn't matter much if I create that reactive strength off very long contact times and I'm poor uh, from 30 to 40 meters on my speed testing. Then you know the reactive strength is less important. There's other stuff I need to work on. So I think I Z scores across a battery of tests allow you to um, allow you to yeah I think just see things in context and and, and figure out where an athlete might be deficient or where their opportunities to get better lie.
0: Yeah. And I also think another thing too, based on the sport and the athlete is that it can allow you to identify if deficiencies matter or not. Yeah. Good point.
1: Yeah. And and that's the thing. So, so that's, that's a really good point um, because they may not matter. You know, over time we, we always want to be trying to refine and uh, and, and adjust our testing protocols. And if we're, we're if we're finding over time that you know the guys who jump the highest in our counter movement jump test or our you know our vertical jump test, the guys who jump the highest in that are not typically the fastest guys or not typically the most powerful guys in other activities. Well, then maybe that doesn't matter too much. Or, you know, maybe that test isn't as important as we thought it was, or maybe we're looking at the wrong thing in that test. Maybe we should be looking at something more sophisticated, like modified reactive strength or or impulse in the different phases of the counter movement jump so i think that's a really good point i think over time these type of analysis tools maybe help us to figure out a profile of you know who are the best kids that we've worked with in certain positions or what did the best profile look like uh, or where was that athlete at the time that they performed their best Um, and when we look at it in that context we mightn't be too bothered if it's a you know, if it's a counter-movement jump that's average if everything else is exceptional or or, or so on. Yeah.
0: Right, and even more, like, looking at just, like, specific athlete profiling, too, so you could compare and you can show guys, like, where they stand versus players who are exceptional in the sport and and things of that nature. I know, like, you know, Val has spoken about how they can use, like, uh, the, the biological monitoring to look and find, like, traits that are specific to high-performing athletes in different sports. I think that this is something where, whether you're using just like a spider graph or like different, you know, bar graphs or whatever, with a, here's the average line, you're either above it or below it, you know, because anybody can see that. Um, yeah, exactly. and you, you know, don't need
1: to understand statistics and Z-scores to know that above the line is good and below the, the line is not so good. Mm-hmm. But I think I think one of the other good things about using this approach is – and my, my thoughts on this kind of came out of a conversation I had with, with George Petrakis, who's a strength and conditioning coach who I respect a lot. He, he's over at Glasgow Warriors. Um, and one of the reasons he liked this method um, was because I guess a frustration a, a coach can have or a frustration an athlete can have is that you could be really hard-working guy on the team. You may not be the most talented physically, but you could be really hard-working. You could be getting your work done, and you could be getting better. But you might still always be ranking Bottom of the list on speed or jumps or whatever It doesn't mean that you're not getting better, but you might always rank last. I think typically in SNC we use rankings quite a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, one to ten, one to twenty. Who's the fastest? Who's the slowest? And we put it up there for everybody to see. But sometimes your, your your top three, four guys they're they're the most talented. They may not be the hardest working. They may not even be getting better, but because they're so genetically talented, they're always going to be the best. Um, and so I think I think if you use like a Z-score type approach or you know, you can show a guy that, yeah, you're not the best. We know you're not the best, but we know you work hard and we know you're important to this team. Uh, and you may still be ranking in last place, but you've moved up. You know, you were two standard deviations below the group average. Now you're one and a half, or now you're only one. You're getting better in these three areas. You've plateaued in this area. You're you're getting a little bit better in that area. You can show your, your best guys that, yeah, you're the best. You're the fastest. You're jumping the highest. You're lifting the most weight. But you haven't got any better. You know, so I think you' got to look at it in two different things. and I think the Z scores can help add a little bit more um, a little bit more sophistication to, to ranking systems, which really don't tell us anything about you know have you gotten better or how much have you gotten better by?
0: Yeah. yeah, because just the, the flat out score is just simply the score. It's what they did. And no yeah. matter what. You know, I mean like we've got a guy who jumped to 45. I'm never, even if I go back to when I was 10, ever gonna jump a 45 five even if I jumped off a 40 you know a 40 inch platform right now I might not jump a 45 yeah. five but yeah. if I go from a 26 to a 29 and he stays there then at least it's showing me I'm getting better
1: yeah exactly and you don't necessarily need Z scores to do that you can use the raw scores to do it but Z scores are a nice way to do it across different tests that are measured in different metrics you know different different uh, variables
0: right yeah. yeah so if your squat goes up a whole standard deviation. You know, you got plenty strong.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And you know that you're. And again, ultimately, that's what we're trying to do as coaches. We're we're trying to figure out. You know, has the training program worked for this athlete? What? How? How has this athlete adapted to the stimulus? Have they gotten better in the areas we expected them to get better in? Have they? Have they or have they not? And um, and how can we describe what's happened better? to the athlete, to the sports coaches, or amongst ourselves. And that, that I think, is what's what's nice about the sprint variability profiling is it allows us, I think, just to see and to describe what's happened a little bit more closely, to use more precise language when we're describing the makeup of that 40-meter performance. And and again, I think the same is true when we look across a number of different tests. It means we can describe um, the adaptation or the testing performance of that athlete a little bit more clearly.
0: Yes. And again, looking back on what all of this should do for most of the people listening, I would assume, is when you're looking across multiple areas of training, it now allows you to zero in even more, or excuse me, multiple tests, it allows you to zero in even more on what testing, their training should be based on Oof. what, yes, based on what either they're really good at or really bad at.
1: Yeah, exactly. Hopefully, yeah. And again, that's ultimately what we're trying to do. We're trying to figure out where are the opportunities to get better. You know, where, where may there be some deficiencies? Are those deficiencies relevant for the player, relevant for the sport? Um, and make kind of informed decisions based off of that or, or slightly more informed decisions. Ultimately, I don't think anybody's got the testing battery figured out that that's a golden bullet and that gives you the exact answer. Ultimately, I think the testing data is just... Guiding our questions a little bit more, and it gives us some questions to think about and to maybe discuss with the athlete, to discuss with the coaches, and and ultimately it informs the conversation. But there's still a little bit of subject. There's still always going to be some subjective or some kind of informed gut instinct that helps us decide where the training focus is going to go.
0: Yeah, because another way to look at it too might be when you have your exceptional players the scores that they're exceptional at may be what make them exceptional. So that may be what even needs to be focused on to a higher level.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah that's a really good point. I mean, again, I think that comes back to the, the question around, you know, one of the, one of the the, the, the things you got to be careful of when you use Z scores is that ultimately you're comparing everything to like an average data set. Uh, and we know that the same players in the same positions in the same sports can be effective in those positions and effective in their performance in very different ways. So, you know, if you're, uh, if you are, again, I'll use rugby as an example, but if you play in the back row in rugby, you could be an incredibly explosive guy who carries the ball, gets over the gain line, uh, or you could be a very industrious player who doesn't do anything too explosive or anything too mind-blowing, but you do the, the fundamentals of the game repeatedly. Um, and those players will have very different physical profiles. One will have big counter movement jump, big reactive strength, might be really quick over over 10 or over 40. The other might uh, may not be as uh, impressive in those kind of speed power tests, but might have much better aerobic conditioning, might have slightly better you know repeat sprint ability. Um, so again, very different profiles. And what you've always got to be careful of here is that you don't blindly just go after the deficiency. You know, your highly explosive guy maybe a little bit deficient relative to the group in his aerobic conditioning but that doesn't mean that you know that's what you need to go after 100 percent. because you know you do you do too much aerobic conditioning and and maybe you blunt some of the explosive qualities that help Mm -hmm. make that athlete special to begin with and 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 make the athlete you know make the coaches want to have that guy in their team so there's nuance there we know there's nuance uh, there's subtlety And ultimately, you know, none of these tests and none of these analysis methods like the Z score analysis um, technique, none of them are magic bullets. You've got to think about the athlete. You've got to talk to the athlete, talk to the coaches and understand what the coaches and what the athlete are trying to achieve in the sport before you can decide really what, what performance gains you're going to go after.
0: All right. So understanding all of that, let's try to get out on this. With looking at this, and it's in its infantile stages, and we're talking about breaking down and evaluating our evaluations at a higher level, and using this as an example, where do you think looking at things this way are going? Like, what is, when it comes to finding better ways to look at the numbers that we're pulling from these kids or athletes? Where do you see this direction moving in order for us to become better practitioners with the kids we work with?
1: sure, yeah, I guess I'm not entirely sure what the kind of the next steps are entirely, but I think I think, like I said, using the Z scores to look across multiple different tests your your jumps your 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 strength your your fitness testing your speed testing that's again that's been around for a long time that's been done. Uh, and that, that does what it does. It helps you identify some of the tests that may be deficient, may may give you opportunities to to improve. So I think that's kind of that is where it's at. You're either using that technique or you're not. Um, I think it's a technique that's worth using. Um, in terms of this this the speed, uh, the sprint variability profiling, I think for me, you know, where I need to figure out how much value it adds. You know, the devil is in the detail, and and the challenge is right now: are we going to actually use that data to cluster guys into different groups are we going to use that data to inform the training program and if we adjust the training program so we do more acceleration work with the guys who are poor from zero to ten and we change the drills or the work with the guys who are a little bit poor on their 30 to 40 meter split the next question fundamentally is going to be well actually does that individualized training actually address the the deficit that you've identified so you got to figure out if if you know if your training interventions are actually identifying the deficit and that again i think is is where the analysis technique can have value because you can look at what a guy's profile was on the first of march and then you can have a look at the shape of that profile in the first of july and and you can make it a, an informed decision on whether the training intervention you implemented actually addressed the deficit you identified but i think i think a third way it could be useful and this is something that we're playing around with at the moment is is looking at some much more involved tests so so you know, counter movement jump testing has been around for a long time or vertical jump testing. Uh, and when you do that on a force plate, you get, you know, an, almost an infinite number of variables. And force plates are becoming more accessible, um, but they can be a little bit of a clusterfuck, you know, in terms of the amount of data that you're presented with. And that's a real challenge for coaches. So I do think a Z score approach can help you understand and um, really. Deep data sets like that a little bit better. So the example I would give you would be, let's say we've got our field sport athletes, let's say male field sport athletes, and we, uh, we, we group them together um, into a group that we think is relevant or of, of similar abilities or similar Characteristics, and we run our counter movement jump testing. And now we've got—we might have ten, eight to ten variables from counter movement jump testing. We might have jump height. We might have a modified reactive strength index. We might have impulse in each of the phases. You know, your unweighting phase, your eccentric phase, your concentric phase. We might have power output and a relative power output. So we might have, we might have seven different variables. Um. It's very difficult, to un- very difficult to look at that many things and, and get a good picture of what's happening. But Z-scores can give us that. So we can, we can have our zero line be what the group average is. And now I might look at a guy who jumps five centimeters lower than average. Okay, but now I'm going to unpick that a little bit because I've got the Z-scores across the different metrics. And now I might see that, yeah, he jumps five centimeters slow, lo- lower, but he maybe uses a very, very quick contraction time. So his RSI modified is pretty good. Uh, because he uses such a quick uh, contraction time, you know, from the onset of movement to when he takes off, well, then maybe that means his unweighting impulse is, is really effective. Maybe he unweights really quickly. Maybe his eccentric strength is really good. So I might see the poor outcome, that he doesn't jump that high, but there might be other things he's doing within the jump that are that are above average or, or, or better. Um, you know, and that might make us think, okay, well, actually, if we... If we just wanted to make the jump height better, maybe we tell this guy to dip a little bit lower and spend a bit longer in the contraction phase. Or maybe actually what he's doing is 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 productive because in his sport he's got to produce force quickly. So I do think where one of the big values for the Z scores comes is when you've got complicated data sets, multiple variables from the same test, and you just need a way to try and visualize that um a little bit more effectively and, and, and have a little bit more clarity in your thought. Um you know, so an example I'd give you, you know, one thing I'm working on at the moment is we we might have some reference data from athletes, from from sprint athletes, you 100 know, meter sprinters or 400 meter sprinters, and I might be working with a Paralympic athlete, uh, let's say with cerebral palsy, who I know functions very differently, but I don't know exactly how differently he functions. So I know he won't jump as high as these guys, but that's not really what I'm interested in. I know he's not going to jump as high as the able-bodied guys. What I really want to know is how is it different. Does he have less impulse in the unweighting phase, or does he have a problem in the eccentric phase, or or does he spend longer in the in the, the contraction time phase? And so I think having robust normative data and being able to split complex data sets into into z scores and look at them in, in in the context beside each other, then I think that um, I think that's where it can really add a lot of value. And maybe when the podcast goes out. Uh, around the same time I'll, I'll maybe tweet out some examples of the type of data I'm, I'm, I'm talking about so it makes a little bit more sense
0: no it makes complete and total sense it's an absolutely awesome point and i think that's a fantastic spot to to get on a, a lot of a lot of great stuff in the, in the last 30 minutes i can't thank you enough dr flanagan for spending the time well, on
1: Thank you very much. No, my pleasure. I really appreciate the work that you're doing and uh, keep it up. Thank you very much.
0: Oh, man. Appreciate it. This is some killer stuff. This will actually be up Tuesday. So, Great.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah, Looking man. Forward. Definitely. So thank you so much. We'll be in touch real soon, my friend.
1: Great. See you, Jay. Thanks yeah. a lot.
0: Cheers, bud. Bye. And a huge thanks again to Dr. Flanagan for spending the time with us today and being so open and honest and talking about, you know, the, what he does knows and what he doesn't know and, and talking about where this could go. And where he's not sure he can go, you know, with me, the biggest thing, guys, is open, honest, sharing. And if we can find a way to be better, we can do that. And Dr. Flanagan thinks that this is a way that we can start to look at that. So you know what? I think this is a way we should start looking. Breaking these scores down, breaking down the 40, and looking at what is good, bad, and indifferent with how your athletes are performing to make them better. I mean, honestly, it just sounds like a common sense way to do it, but... I'll be the first person to admit, I never thought of it. So, Dr. Flanagan, thank you so much. And again, huge shout out to Mladen. Thank you so much for allowing us to talk about this. Again, ComplimentaryTraining.net. If you didn't know about it, I don't know how, but check it out and click the link below. Make sure you've read the article by now. And guys, if you enjoyed the talk, please, as always, share it through the social media outlet of your choice. Go ahead, smash that like button on iTunes, Podomatic, or YouTube, and feel free to share it. Tweet it out, Instagram, whatever it may be, Facebook, and if you guys have any questions, comments, or whatever, leave them below. Dr. Flanagan is a super person and a fantastic, a absolutely fantastic practitioner. Uh, I, I can't say enough good things about the man, just a, a super cat, and really glad that I've gotten to know him and, and gotten a few chances to talk with him, so... He's not a guy that's going to hold punches, so if there's any questions or comments or concerns, leave them below, and I'm sure he'll address them. And as always, guys, thank you so much for everything you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.